0: flavour and provenance is of utmost importance. It's definitely in an education and um, at the end of the day uh, people see that the flavour um, and the texture of the meat is what wins through.
1: This is the Producers, I'm Danny Vallant. Georgie Rogers raises white Suffolk sheep suited to Australian conditions on her 80-acre farm in South Australia. She has a background in hospitality. But Georgie is a country girl, and eventually the region called her back. As a solo newbie farmer, the four-year journey has been challenging but rewarding, despite and even because she occasionally has her arm up to the elbow inside a pregnant ewe. Uh, so I'm Georgie Rogers,
0: and I have a farm, a uh, sheep farm, uh, Rogers Farm Barossa, up here in Springton uh, in Eden Valley. Um, I raise uh, White Suffolk sheep, which are a breed of sheep that have been bred in Australia uh, for Australian conditions, and they are both a meat sheep and a wool sheep. So uh, they're a little bit of a um, longer-growing sheep, which suits my purposes perfectly, um, to obtain a a meat that is um, more flavoursome um they're a smaller breed of sheep too which also suits me because i'm quite a small person <laughs> makes them a little bit easier for me to manage um when i first started out i was really interested in um, border lesters, um another breed of sheep and my mum said to me don't get those you'll never be able to cope with them because they're too big <laughs> and she was right um Yeah, so White Suffolk's are really lovely animals. Um, They, uh, as I said, produce an amazing quality of meat, um, but I can also uh, sell the wool as well. Well, it is technically part of the Barossa, but it's the eastern Barossa. So Eden Valley is probably the closest um, main town to me, about 10 minutes away. And uh, Eden Valley is known for uh, a great uh, Riesling uh, wine region. And um, Springton itself is... um, Yeah, a little bit further east, almost on the ranges um, dividing the Murray River from um, the Adelaide Hills and it's quite a dry, rocky area and – but uh, the main main uh, scenic uh, point of Springton is its beautiful big red gum trees. So the landscape around here is a little bit more open um, than the Adelaide Hills, but um, spotted with these gigantic uh, beautiful red gums. Yeah, it's uh, quite a low rainfall area. Um, it's uh, I'm I myself am actually in a um, a rain shadow uh, which I didn't know when I first bought the property <laughs> uh, but I've uh, recently uh, discovered every, every winter. So sometimes um, I'm lucky enough to get the rain and but quite often it can sort of wave as it goes past me overhead. Um, so, yeah, um, wintertime can be um, quite wet uh, and... Um, get a lot of rain all at once um, and the ground sort of gets quite quite wet and damp and then it dries up very quickly um, in about a couple of months and then there's a period of about seven to eight months of dry.
1: The rocky nature of the farm means it's best suited for sheep with the exact stocking density dependent on rainfall. Georgie has taken the time to understand the needs and pressures on her patch and has learnt to be strategic about grazing to ensure ongoing health of both soil and stock.
0: My farm is 80 acres and um, I'd say probably about... 70% of that is arable land, um, not for cropping but for grazing. And uh, what I mean by that is that um, uh, because Springton is so rocky, it, there's quite a little, bit, quite a bit of rocky outcrop, which means that nothing much grows in amongst those parts. Um, so no good for cattle grazing, really, uh, on my place. But sheep are okay. Um, and um, yeah, so being, yeah, seventy percent of that means that I can have probably at the most um, seventy to 100 sheep in a good year and my aim is to um, have sheep on the property all year round because I want to increase my flock. Um, so I need to be quite careful each year uh, to maintain stock numbers at a reasonable level so that, number one, I don't run out of water, uh, number two, that I don't uh, overgraze the land. Um What I've noticed um, in the four years since I've been here and the two years since I've had my own flock is that um, when I first uh, came across this land, it was quite overgrazed. It was used as an adjustment property. Um, No one was living here, but um, local farmers uh, were able to adjust their sheep here and was probably holding too many Animals for what the land could sustain, so it resulted in um, quite a lot of patchy uh, grass and um, visible dirt underneath. Uh, So in the in the summertime, so the the driest parts of the year up here between um, January and April. Um, because there's not much rain. Uh, It rains a little bit in January and then really nothing much until the winter rains. Um, So it gets very dry and it's also quite windy up here because it's very open land. And so what I'd noticed was uh, that wind would pick up huge clouds of dust off the ground and I really started to become aware that um, it was really important to uh, maintain ground cover Uh, So, for me, um, that means maintaining a stocking level that's appropriate to what the land can can sustain and that does tend to vary from year to year um, depending on the rainfall. So, um, what I've developed over the last couple of years is um, a system where I can uh, rotate my sheep around and be very careful about what the grass is looking like if it's um, and starting to get patchy at all, um, you know, very, very um, uh, careful about monitoring um, the rainfall and how much water I have because um, I don't have a bore, I just have a dam, so I rely on that filling uh, every winter. Um Last winter, uh, incidentally, was the first year the dam was full and overflowing in four years. So hopefully we're on the the up and up (laughs) in that cycle. Um, Looking forward to an even better season this year.
1: Georgie was working as a chef when she started to think about a sustainable business and life for the next decades of her life, providing food for friends, family and her community in the region she was born felt like a move worth investigating. About four years ago,
0: I I was really wanting a change and um, I started to think a lot about buying a, a small amount of land and I really um, liked the idea of being able to produce my own food and was thinking a lot about the future and what it would be like to provide food for friends and family and the importance of that um, coming into the next, you know, uh, 20, 30, 50 years. Um, so I had been working as a chef and before that well, honestly, since my 20s, I've, I've always been in the food industry in some form or another, um, mainly um, selling food and providors, um, cheese, small goods, um, spent a bit of time overseas and um, came to chefing quite late in in life, so to speak. And um, But, uh, yeah, so from there... Um, Food has always been in my blood um, and I was just feeling, I think, the need to return to the land. I'd grown up um, from the age of well, – from being born uh, to the age of 12 uh, on a little hobby farm in Birdwood, which is about um, – 15 minutes probably closer to Adelaide uh, than where I am now. So similar kind of um, land but, uh, yeah, just a hobby of farm. So we had um, a couple of horses and um, a few cows and that was about it really but it um, really uh, instilled those values in me as a child of, of what it meant to uh, look after animals and... Um, and to, I guess to have that knowledge of the stillness of farm life and the joy that it can bring, um, and so yeah, I really I just felt a huge draw to come back out here, um, and yeah, so I bought that uh, small parcel of land. And wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's been uh, quite quite the journey. Um, I um. I think, I, I don't think I ever, a, if ending up where I am now is is not I guess ha- how it started but it's it's all sort of come into up to this point. Um, I was working as a chef in, in town for a couple of years and uh, when I bought the land it had nothing on it at all except for a shed uh, and a little rainwater tank that was connected to a stock trough. Uh, had a couple of uh, rickety old timber sheepyards and a little hay shed and I thought oh that's a good start at least there's some water and um, then in the year following that um, the house was built and I commuted I, I didn't well not commuted I came up every weekend uh, just to sort of have a little look-see about uh, how the house was going and I'd Bring up my sleeping bag and and sleep in the in the sort of the um, the timber structure of the house as it was coming along. Uh, the builders were quite friendly and didn't let me do things like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, so once the house was built, it was uh, I came up here straight away and uh, I was commuting to Adelaide five times a week, which was about a three-hour round trip. And, um, and then COVID hit and I left my job there and really started to focus on uh, what it would look like to start something substantial up at the farm and, and grow something
1: for the future. Yeah, and it all happened from there. Buying a farm is one thing. Turning it into a home and business is another. Georgie built her flock slowly, leaning into the help of neighbours and supportive online communities. Lambing has been an enormous part of the process, often joyful, sometimes distressing, and occasionally very dramatic.
0: When I first bought the farm, I actually wanted to breed pigs um, because I'd had such a long history in um, Spanish small goods and I had a Spanish delicatessen. I was very much involved in those types of foods and I had a dream of starting a farm and a pig farm. Uh, But two years into this farm, I started to realise that this wasn't quite the right type of land to sustain pigs And I would need an awful lot more infrastructure um, and money to uh, start a pig farm. So I thought, well, I'll uh, start with something seemingly easier and uh, buy a few sheep instead. Initially, it started off uh, relatively easy. I bought um, my first flock of 20 lambs. They were six months old ewe lambs and they're all white Suffolk ewes and then about six months later I bought my first ram uh Gordon and um and then six months after that five months after that I had my first uh flock of lambs so had 20 lambs or 25 lambs and ended up with 20 out of that. And so the first the, I think the first real struggle for me was the lambing season and that was probably the first point. So this was about this is September October last year. This is the first point where I started to think oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> what have I got myself into? Um Reason being, I think, well, every day um, getting up and checking on the lambs was in. on the one hand really exciting and really joyful to just be out there in the green grass and the cold and mist and seeing these tiny little lambs and it was so, so exciting. Um, but the other side of that was... Um, of occasionally finding one that didn't make it, um, or one that uh, uh was having trouble a you that was having trouble giving birth and it really started to um dawn on me the huge um feeling of responsibility for other life and it yeah it just hit home and I had a lot of a lot of tears and a lot of fear and um yeah, just that feeling of like, gosh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I can do this, and um, but uh, I kept on through. I have the, the most amazing neighbours um, who have helped me, and um, and the Instagram community has been incredible, like all over the world, with tips on how to um, help young mothers and and uh, all sorts of lambing difficulties. I don't know what I'd do without YouTube <laughs> um, demonstrations of how to how to pull out a lamb, for instance. Um, you know, I never thought. You know, I guess I never really realised the reality of when I started this that I might have my arm up to my elbow inside a inside a sheep, and um, I don't have any veterinary skills whatsoever. Um, and it's it's crazy to think that just through YouTube I've could learn how to uh, to pull out a lamb. Um, I think the the first um, the first real experience that I had was uh, one of my favourite ewes actually, who's uh, has been with me from the start, um, Enid. Uh, she had the first lamb that was. Uh, I can't remember the name for it now, but um, the lamb had its head um, sticking out of her and um, the legs were tucked up underneath the head, whereas normally the front legs would come out first and then the head uh, between those and the rest of the body would follow and that's a natural birthing position if nothing goes wrong. So... um, Enid had, uh, was walking around with I could see her head poking out and I thought, oh, that's not good. And um, what had happened was the two little feet were tucked up underneath her head and b- blocking the windpipe of the lamb. And so I managed to get her into a yard, um, which fortunately was quite close by, and um, grab grabbed the little hooves and uh, pull them out and at this point I didn't even know how much pressure I could apply I was so scared of doing damage to the mum or the lamb and uh, but in the end I, I think I just in that moment you just forget all the fear and just go well I just have to I have to do this and um, and so I pulled and um, as I said before, I'm quite a small person and so I pulled and I pulled even harder and I was like, oh gosh, I can't do much and then I just pulled even harder and so eventually the feet came forward and then I thought, oh, halfway there. But I thought at this point that the lamb was dead, you know, it had its tongue out and um, not breathing and eyes closed And um, so I thought I was pulling a dead lamb and so I thought for the mum's sake get it out as quickly as possible and so I just pulled really hard. Out he popped onto the ground and almost instantly, the lamb started wheezing and coughing and moving, and um, the mum was just exhausted and collapsed on the ground. And but I popped the lamb in front of her, and she started licking him. And um, within about half an hour, he was standing up. So it was quite quite incredible and really um, overwhelming, um, but just so grateful
1: that he made it through. Georgie grows sheep, but she sells hogget rather than lamb. What are the special qualities of these older animals?
0: So I grow my sheep to 15 to 18 months of age, so I sell my sheep as hogget to the market um, instead of selling as lamb. So I guess the, the biggest marketable term at the moment is lamb and that's what people know and understand. Uh, so for me, I uh, sell hogget, um which is a little bit older. Lamb is up to about 10 to 12 months of age. So uh, hogget is um, approximately 12 to 24 months old. And um, that's what I've chosen to sell. Um, for me, it's important uh, to uh, have a product that is about flavour and and quality. So um, oh, hogget is, uh, the fat is a sweeter kind of fat um, because my animals are all 100% Grass-fed, um, and I don't feed out any grain. Um, it means that the the flavour profile of the animal is quite different to some of the lamb that you might buy uh, commercially. And what I've noticed is, in particular, the fat is quite sweet and has a less of a cloying nature than lamb fat usually does. Um, and I've noticed that that is can be the difference between. 100% grass-fed and animals that have finished uh, their last three months on grain. And, yeah, it's really quite different. Uh, my hoggets when they're processed or well, after processing, are about um, 28 to 30 kilos. Uh, and um, lambs would probably be around the 25-kilo uh, mark tops. So it's a it's a much slower process, so it's a real real slow food if you like. Um Hoggart definitely has a, a an interesting ring to it and some people have even thought that I'm selling pork. <laughs> so um uh yeah, it's definitely an education. Um I found that a lot of people are genuinely interested in um how the animal is raised and 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 wanting to buy um from small farmers and 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 are interested that um, I'm, I'm not doing a, a feedlot system or or bringing in grain that's surplus to what my land can provide. Um, so, yeah. So it's definitely number one. It's about flavour. So my main customers are, are chefs, restaurant chefs, and um, for them, flavour and provenance is of utmost importance. And uh, my other customers have been farmer's market customers and also um, I've delivered direct to the door uh, with um, boxes of of meat. And, um, yeah, it's it's definitely an education. And um, at the end of the day, uh, people see that the flavour and
1: the texture of the meat is what wins through. Farm dogs are often more than just workers. Georgie tells us about the special bond with her sheepdog, Billy. I've
0: got an amazing dog, Billy, um, a Maremma. So Billy I took on uh, as an older rescue farm dog uh, about a year ago. And um, he I'm not sure if you're aware, but Maremma's are a, a big um, Italian sheepdog, really, and so they're usually uh, dogs that are out uh, guarding the flocks. So they're not a they're not a house pet. They don't come inside. Um, but they have this amazing natural instinct to protect. And he's he's just wonderful. I um, when I bought Billy, I had just recently lost my own dog, and I um, wasn't sure what to do. And uh, the opportunity to adopt Billy came up. Um, and it just it just worked for me because he's um, yeah he's, he's eight years old. Um, not many people really wanted him because he was so old, and uh, the possibility of him only being around for another couple of years uh, was not something some people wanted to take on and people prefer to buy puppies um, especially on farms because they want to train an animal for their own purposes. Uh, so Billy for me is more of a companion dog really out on the farm. He he does sleep outside 100% of the time but he sleeps close to the house. Uh, he, hasn't, he wasn't trained as a livestock guardian and so he grew up in a semi-rural environment but in a in a small yard and so it didn't really suit suit him at all and um so for him being out here on the land i've just really seen him thrive like he's he's got so much fitter (laughs) he was he was quite overweight and very rickety on his legs when i bought him and um and now he's he just is out there running and um really seem to seeming to enjoy life out here and i'm just very grateful to have him.
1: Georgie has worked with food all her life. Producing it at Roger's farm is a particular pleasure, especially when connecting with like-minded chefs.
0: Um, well, it's it's quite a great feeling, actually. I, um, but having been cooked for so long, it's it's quite. Um, It's a really nice feeling to be able to produce food that I know is of such high quality and um, to be able to share that with others, like other chefs and and customers. Um, I have such great conversations with chefs and it's such a really rewarding experience um, talking to people that Really know how to cook well um, and know their products intimately, and so they they understand the difference of what I'm uh, producing, and they understand um, the process of what I'm um, trying to do. So um, from a from a production and a pricing perspective, they really get it. Um, and yeah, more and more chefs are jumping on board because they really care about um, sustainability. And and happy to um, go through the process that that entails to, to get a good product. The main the main thing for me is being on the land. Uh, it's quite uh, amazing to be able to wake up every day and have have my morning coffee and hear the birds, um, hear the magpies and the parrots, and and then go out for a walk to check on the sheep. Um, it's a very um, grounding experience and I feel so connected and feel so fortunate to be able to be part of our food production system. Um, it's uh, such a great place to be. Uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing to have something on the plate that uh, you've grown yourself. Um, my favourite cut, uh, I'd have to say, is... Um, Oh gosh, it's hot. <laughs> it's like I eat it all. So um, yeah, there's, there's so many different things to do. Um, look, I still love uh, a shoulder. Um, I love it. I love slow cooking in winter. Um, coming into this time of year is my favourite time of year. Um, being able to have the fire on every day and um, do slow cook. Cooked uh, shoulders in the in the Dutch oven is uh, definitely my favourite way to cook lamb. Um, at, um, when friends come over, it's usually a, a charcoal barbecue. Um, so we have uh, all the good things like the the cutlets, but also I um, uh, debone a whole leg of lamb and marinate that in just garlic and wine and a lot of herbs and pop that on the barbecue Um, and yeah it is pretty cool to be able to share food that I've grown here on the property with my friends.
1: Georgie Rogers is part of a strong community of small scale farmers in the broader Barossa region in South Australia. She's looking after the land, teaching people what hoggett means and finding plenty of satisfaction in offering flavourful protein to passionate home cooks and chefs. This is The Producers, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm Danny Vallant. Stay tuned as we talk to some of Australia's best farmers, makers and growers. Follow us on Instagram at Producers Podcast or contact us via deepintheweeds.com.au.